Barely Legal Comedy Podcast with Chris Keogh and Alex Boardman. Music, White Bat Audio, 80s Retro Synthwave Mix. Oh, nice. Hi, Barely Legal Comedy Podcast. Um, listeners. Well, yes. Aficionados. <laughs> um, so, well, this is very exciting because we're about to sound like a real podcast. Are we? Yes. Um, so, firstly, well, this bit's not so good. Um, <laughs> I was just looking before, because at the end of the last episode, we um, set up our tip jar. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, which means instead of sitting in your back room with the washing machine on that might or might not be being picked up on the microphone, um, we can start trying to pay for studio time or basically we could up a bit of production quality. Yeah. Um, so the floodgates were opened. Oh, right, okay. By us. This is, uh, I, I didn't even know you'd done this. So. Yeah, yeah. So, we, so at the end of the last episode, we said, people, send any money, whatever you think it's worth. And I think we said... Send a pint of oh, beer or yeah. a coffee worth yeah. of money. And after being in your house, which is the last time we come, drinking this god-awful tea with not even <laughs> real milk in. That's all, yeah. So, yeah, just to explain, we've run out of actual milk, so I'm, I'm forced to use oh, the milk. various uh, vegans uh, in the house. It feels milk. like some sort of thistle tea that you've grown <laughs> in the allotment and made yourself. I've never tasted <laughs> it. It actually hurts to drink. So, how much do you think we've been sent? Um, by our listeners three pounds well that would be good it's not, <laughs> it's not that much one pound no it's zero not. pounds yes <laughs> <laughs> so we've not been sent anything so that was our first bit of trying to become millionaires off the back of All right. the podcast that looks like it won't happen the other side of it we said if you've got any questions send them in yeah that has happened Oh, so yeah. we've got two questions. Right, okay. Right, the first one is from Gary Dugdale uh, to Barely Legal Comedy Podcast at gmail.com for anybody else thinking of sending one in. Are you ready? Yeah. You've not, um, you don't know what's coming, do you? No. That's a lie, isn't it? Because I've sent them in. <laughs> so you could prepare. <laughs> why, would, why would we lie? Murder question. I really enjoy your po- podcast. Oh, and I'm uh, glad you're back. I don't know where that was going to go. <laughs> murder question. I really enjoy murdering people. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's uh, Steve Wright in the afternoon, who I think has gone now. I think he's from. Come... Oh, he's not dead, is he? No, I think he's. That's going to sound Oh, he's, no, he's not on the radio anymore, I think, is he? I don't know if he's coming back on Greatest Hits. Because the BBC seemed to have sacked everyone that they had that was really popular. Oh, right, yeah. Ken and Bruce then, has gone. Yeah, Ken Bruce has gone. So then what they've done is they've replaced them with younger, i.e. 55-year-olds instead of 65-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. People playing exactly the same music, but without, like, 25 years of a core audience. Yeah. And yeah. also, they're yeah. equally irritating. <laughs> Although Steve Wright was a special level of irritating. Sounds um, like he was the OG irritating it, it kind of that, you know that that sort of um level of person now Casey Hopkins is one Piers Morgan's one and it seems like their entire operation uh, what's modus operandi is to just be irritating yeah and to just be in the cracks of whatever you say oh it's a bit rainy today well I think you'll find that if we were in the Brazilian rainforest during the rain season yeah. you wouldn't find it's a bit wet today. <laughs> you know that kind of yeah. toss pot um <laughs> So anyway, Steve writes like that, isn't he? he was it, but it was sort of quite benign, though. It's like a benign version. Oh, it was like a benign precursor to it, these. Have you ever had him on when there was one good Unless bit? Unless he's awful. Maybe our listeners know that. Maybe, maybe he's got some... Maybe. That's well, why he's stuck around so long. Yeah. Maybe with all the allegations floating around the baby, he's got tapes. He's got dossiers <laughs> of evidence. So, um, so he used to... Like, if he interviewed someone good that you liked... He'd always just ask him the most stupid question and then not really listen to the answer. That's what I find very irritating. It was like yeah. Alan Partridge who did it for comedic effect. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he, he's got really love the show. So anyway, uh, Gary Dugdale really, not just enjoys, really enjoys the podcast. And he's glad after Good. that he's we're a, back. He's after a man the, of taste. <laughs> yes. After the hiatus. 
brackets failed other podcast attempts <laughs> that was more fun to record. <laughs> Birdwife podcast still also available to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my question is this Gary Dugdale question: If I murder someone, <laughs> I wonder if we're going to get people from prison saying they did this and did this. Advice. And yeah, you're yeah. already getting. Um, People accused of crimes are getting in touch with you. <laughs> if I murder someone, have I committed two crimes? That is, have I successfully attempted to murder and also committed a murder? Or is attempted murder reserved for failed attempts? Regards, Gary. Okay. Right. So, well, in, in answer to that question, Gary, you're... The I love this. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. The, the second part of that yeah, yeah, is, is correct. You're right in that you, you're only guilty of an attempt if you sort of fail in your attempt. Um, I can sort of see the point that's being made, you know, in the actually in everyday use of, of language, you can attempt something and then it's either successful or it's or it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that in order to successfully do something, you have to have done an attempt in the first place. It's a semantic point, really. Whereas in um, in sort of like in, in the legal world, an attempt is is comes under the uh, Criminal Attempts Act of uh, 1981, and it says that if with intent to commit an offence to which this section applies, a person does an act which is more than merely preparatory to the commission of the offence, he is guilty of attempting to commit the offence. So basically, it's for those specific instances where you've done something, where you've tried to do something but failed. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's within the that the wording of, of, of what an attempt means. So you wouldn't you know it wouldn't be sort of just to basically convict someone of murder and attempted murder at the same time. Um, and it would be pointless as well because you get life for murder anyway, so actually what would be the point of, of yeah. convicting for the attempt? So it would always just be that. It's similar to like in football, you know what I mean? Like if, if someone if someone has a shot and it hits the post or it goes just over, you would say that was a decent effort or a decent attempt. Yes. You wouldn't say it was an attempt if they scored because it's a good goal at that point. Yes, I mean. okay. So, so, True. And, and, you know, as an, as an analogy, that's the closest I can, I can think of. Um, but there's lots of words in the legal world that don't mean the same thing as they do in everyday life. So if you listen back to... Men's. Men's, yeah, the men's room. That's not full of people <laughs> plotting. In their, well, I mean, sometimes it is, but, you know... <laughs> When I was at uni, Newcastle Uni, in the union building, there was a bar there called the Men's Bar, right? Okay. Um, and they said it was, oh, it means men's as in the Latin for sort of mind. That's what it is, because it's a university place of yeah. learning. Um, but then there was always that suggestion that, no, actually, this used to be like only men were allowed in this bar and just kept the same name. Only men were probably allowed at uni. Yeah, at well, exactly. Point. At one point, that would have been the case, yeah. So then it wouldn't have been called men's. It was called the bar. It was like, just been called the bar because where, women would, where would the women be anyway? Yeah. Well, they'd be cleaning. Yeah, yeah. All the sheilas would be elsewhere. <laughs> and stuff, wouldn't they? Was there an apostrophe on the men's bar? No. Right, so they so, go, yeah, I believe yeah, yeah. in men. Yeah. I absolutely believe them. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah. But otherwise like so like for example, um malicious. You know, so if, if you go back and listen to previous episodes about involunt was it about volunt- unlawful act manslaughter, I think. I can't remember what the Yes, it was called unlawful act manslaughter. There's two, there's, there's two parts of it. We're talking about the case of Cunningham there, which is the sort of like leading case on recklessness, in which Basically, and this ties in with what we've seen in the last episode where we talked about offences against the person, Acts of 1861, and how language used then is, is different to now. You know, if you think about how much language evolves all the time, is that it says in that act that someone acts maliciously, um, you know, in, in regards to, to manslaughter. Now, what we would think in everyday use is that malicious means sort of done almost deliberately to cause harm, but that's clearly the same as doing it intentionally. As it would be for murder, so so the, the court had to decide what did the, what what do we mean by maliciously here? And eventually, over time, and Cunningham proves that what we mean by maliciously is not wickedly or deliberately; it means recklessly. Now, malicious equals reckless in the in the law, but it doesn't in everyday life. You would never sort of use those two words interchangeably no. because they mean different things. Um, and so this leads to confusion sometimes. And that's why there are arguments about, like, let's, well, let's scrap these old laws and just replace them with new ones in which the language is actually appropriate for the age that we're living in. But then we've got all this sort of case law that tells us what these things yeah, mean don't anyway. Do that. So don't do so, so what we'll say is we don't need to do that because we already, we already know what it means. Um, and that's a nice little bit of 
knowledge that us lawyers have that other people don't have, which is basically our entire the tools of our trade, is, is yeah. knowing what words mean within certain contexts, do you know what I mean? So Yeah, I remember that you said that, you used to say that in lectures about why do you always use prima facie, why do you say all these Latin words? Yeah. And they said, oh, well, it's to do with tradition and history, and it's of the world. And then uh, one fellow said, well, it's just so you can charge an extra 100 quid an hour, <laughs> which I preferred, really. Um, right, so thank you, Gary. That was a very good question. And I like this question bit already. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. my favourite it, 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 it takes sort of any thought out of it, out of it for us as well, doesn't it? You know, but because sometimes I go, well, if there's nothing major in the news, I go, what should we do the episode mm. about? Um, and yeah. I mean, well, basically, within each episode, I'm in charge of the intro, which means I have to do something. Yeah. And go, so for instance, I went to Stockport Pride on mm. Saturday. Did you? Yeah, it was kind of really good. There was loads of free Pride as in like gay, LGBT or all... Q plus, LGBT. Well, I don't know. I don't know people proud of Stockport. No, I don't think you find (laughs) quite as many of them. Um, Yeah, so I went to that on Saturday. So that was going to be it. Uh, That was going to be the intro. All right, okay. Um, And there was a lot of religious people there. You know, like people handing out stickers and things like that. There's loads of like stalls. Supporting. Yeah, so bizarrely there was like stagecoach bus were there. With right, like, okay. And you know, that's, not, that's not a religious argument. No, no, no. I don't, no. So they were there with the bus, and it was just two fellas, one of whom's the union rep. He was handing out um, applications to join if you wanted a job. And it was kind of like my granddad was oh, a right. bus driver. Yeah. And I walked in it, and it felt, this was on the bus, and I was like, this feels right. So I took an application. Was a genetic memory yeah. in there, yeah. <laughs> But um, <clears throat> yeah, there were lots of Stockport libraries were there. Um, they've got like free World Book Day books, probably left over from last year. They were handing out free bookmarks. We've got one. All right. Um, and then there was like a few different church. So you kind of stop each stall and go, oh, I know what you're doing. Oh, Tombola, let's have five tickets. Let's do this. Let's do that. They've, the church have got a monopoly of the Tombola industry. Oh, my God. They were, nearly everyone was a different church. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't know that they'd... Well, the Catholic Church there. No, no, no. <laughs> there was, yeah, there were, there were various branches of Christianity. I'll say that there were. Right, okay. It was only various Christian right, faiths. Okay. No voodoo churches there. No. And it was. Um, you can't say that. I've not. I've, not, I've never. <laughs> I'm genuinely. This is one of the things I've always thought about. I've, I've never met anyone who practices voodoo. No. And it's a legitimate religion. Is it? Yeah. Well, I read... It's like in Haiti, isn't it? Like, that's what yes. It's based yes, on sort of like, Juju, what's like it West African sort of, um, sort of animistic, you know, sort of belief system. Live and let dice set there. I had it on in the car a few weeks ago. Because oh, right, yeah. the Bond books are very good, but the films are very awful. Yeah. Um, so, yes, that was one thing that we were going to do, but we didn't. We're doing this. So, please, <laughs> any questions, we will... There was just a lot of cake. All right. It was kind of, I had a really good time because nearly every store they've gone, we've baked a cake. When they've just like made it like a laid cake with rainbow colours on. It's like, how much is it? Going like, oh, free. Okay. <laughs> so I had about five different slices of cakes from five different churches. <laughs> but they wouldn't have been there 20 years ago. No. They no. absolutely wouldn't because no. that would have been no, like. A nice bit of societal progress, isn't it, in a way? And, and what you get is you get a bit of kickback against that, don't you? So you can see some, some groups. That are um, sort of like you know like I, I think the rise of sort of GB news and all that sort of thing mm. you know and the anti woke lot is literally just sort of people going no I don't like these things that are changing you yes know, like, I don't so want it's progress. so commendable the, yeah the same well the same people the anti woke brigade I think they would be sort of you know the sort of people that would have been complaining about rock and roll you know yes in the I, 50s. I agree <laughs> but so from their point of view because one of you would imagine. The right wings mainstays, is that the right word? Would be the church. What would the church say? What do the church say? So if the church are coming out now and going, oh, we're just here for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And also, I always used to hear this argument, but there's no way Jesus would have... I'm not sure that 2,023 years ago, um, there would have been... They probably were gay people, but... I imagine, considering only 100 years ago, they were still illegal in the UK and very much undercover. 
Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine like knocking around Palestine. It was like a, always a gay club. Well, it was a gay community. Well, the, the, yeah, well, the sort of the ancient sort of Greeks and whatever, you know, and the Romans were sort of fairly open with Did they not homosexuality. Have it, was it not Wednesday? Or was it all behind, or was it sort of behind closed doors? Well, I, I was led to believe at one point that Greeks only, like ancient Greeks, had a man friend that they did more or less everything with. Yeah. And occasionally they'd like all meet women like once a week. All right. Okay. I thought they like. I thought it was more like they were six days a week. They were gay. So, right. Then one day a week. So like Women Wednesday or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah I think so. Straight Saturday. And when I was in the Middle East, there was lots of things about man, man Wednesday and boy love Wednesday and all that. Again, all right. Where okay. you'd go out with your special best friend. Right. And have a cuddle. All right. Okay. That's what so, I did. But I mean, that sounds quite sort of progressive, doesn't it? Quite the idea of of it being. Sort of diarized as well, so yeah, you know yeah. where you're at. You know, <laughs> I can just, uh, you know, if it's like a Tuesday, you're going, right, well, this conversation is fine. I don't need to be worried about where this might be leading because it's a Tuesday, so we know it's all possible. Well, we can do whatever happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so good of good on the church that the church is because there were lots of different versions of. Yeah, yeah. I never quite know which one's which. No, I, I, I just well, I was raised Catholic, so that's basically like the Coke. There's that's like Coca Cola. That's the there main is like one. there's there was a Catholic church, and then there was just like roller cola and pound yeah. cola. Pepsi's um, that's Protestant. That's basically Church of England Protestantism. Yeah, yeah. and then um, after that, there's no, that just old all brands. various sort of <laughs> cola with a K. Nineteen And right, anyway, so send us more questions is what we're asking. And would to be honest, anything. Ask us anything. If you're thinking like of buying an air fryer, I've got two. <laughs> so maybe I could I could point you in the right direction. And um, right, so our next question from Toby Greer. Podcast episode request. Hello! Exclamation. So mark. this is beyond a question. This is asking for an episode. An episode I like I like Toby and his uh, <laughs> I like his ambition. Right. Also, you don't have to say you like the podcast if you do email because it's boring to read out. So you know, no, maybe, no, carry on telling us maybe, if you like it. No, start with a joke. Exclamation marks. Ex- yeah, start with start a joke. joke and, and we'll just take a joke each week and add it to our <laughs> sets and then you can. Hello, I love your podcast and find it incredibly interesting. Yes. And it was really helpful when I was applying for university to study law. I currently work for an anti-slavery organisation. So straight away, sounds like one of your lot. (laughs) (laughs) And the new Illegal Migration Act is really damaging to the work that we do. And I would be really interested to hear you both talk about the Illegal Migration Act and what it does. I'd be especially interested in your views on how much of it will survive the legal challenges that have already been started against it, as well as what the statutory guidance, which is yet to be released, will stay will say. Thank you so much for your incredible, incredible podcasts. So maybe he listens to Birdlife. Right, okay. Which is not as popular as we know when we did a few episodes, yeah, one yeah. of which I had a bad ankle, so he's in my garden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which are both informative and fun. Thanks, Alex. But I mean, Toby Greer. Uh, it does sound like I've written it, doesn't it? But, it does, yeah. <laughs> but it's from Toby Greer. Anyway, so um, Illegal Migration Act. What is it? Um, oh, but that's, that's a big question. What, 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 when is it from? When's it from? Be quite... 2023. It's not even passed then, has it? It's not been... It has has passed. It was passed on, I can tell you when it was passed. It received royal assent on the 20th of July, 2023. Oh, right. So so it's really, really recent. Like last month. Most of it isn't in force yet. Right. So, and it will be brought into force at various stages when regulations are to bring it into force would, would be a piece of like innate like you know in, you know commencement reg, you know regs or, or statutory instrument or something like that so so the, the sort of headline of it is that it effectively removes the rights of, of migrants in essence is what it does um so um according to the law i'm going off the law society's um overview of it i don't against the We've not got enough time to get involved in the minutiae of the... I use, I'm using that word a lot recently since mm. I became an academic. To describe your penis. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't want to get into the minutiae of um, <laughs> of this, but because uh, we'll do that in a few, we'll do that. This could go over a number of episodes. There's lots to to unpack um, from it, but the sort of like the headlines of it are really that it basically means that anyone who are, enters the UK via an unauthorized route um, effectively won't be allowed to claim asylum. They will be removed to like they're either back to their home country or to somewhere a safe third country such as Rwanda so it's tied into the Rwanda scheme yeah basically the idea would be if you come over in a small boat yes and you've not come over on one of the approved sort of schemes then you will be picked up straight away and put on a plane and shipped off to Rwanda and then your claim for asylum will be considered then at that point after you've been removed from the country right okay so that's the sort of thinking of it um, it would also block access to the UK's modern slavery protections for anyone who's entered the UK using an unauthorised entry route. Um, for, for that, because they can read coming over on a dinghy, landing on a beach, and then claiming asylum when you're there. Um, it will disregard, in most cases, asylum or human rights claims made by asylum seekers. Right. And it will widen the powers of detention for the purposes of removal, including detention of children. So, if in effect, what it will do is it will allow the state to lock people up um, pending their um, decision, you know, pending them being removed to a third country where their asylum um, application will be considered. That's the idea of it. And, and it stops them from being able to challenge that using human rights grounds or from using um, modern slavery protections. Because... Quite often, people are trafficked into the people. You know, it's, it's one of those areas. I think we've probably talked about this before, but it's one of the. It's a weird thing, in that basically the victims of this crime. You know, the government always try and use. Um, we're going to get after these evil trafficking gangs. That's what we're doing. Mm. That's what this is about. And yet, the people that are being punished aren't the trafficking gangs. It's actually the victims of their offences. And what they will often say is, people that are being trafficked. You can't be trafficked unless you are being exploited at the other end of that journey. So you can be trafficked internally within this country. You know, I. Literally, I, I remember doing a case against someone where he was basically prosecuted for trafficking. And the trafficking was him picking someone up from one house in Blackpool and driving them to another. And that, But they were being moved for the purpose of exploitation. So it, was, it, it right, fell okay. under the definition of trafficking. So often these people will be... So, you know, the classic example are the nail bars and that sort of thing. Or yeah. people working in... Often the agricultural industry is one as well that... that has people that are being trafficked in there. I think there's and, a lot with the, you know, those fake shops in Strangeways area. Yeah. To mill. Yeah. Because I think they make a lot of that stuff in Rochdale. Yeah. And they, they just go around in a big van and collect people. 10 hours, they work 10 hours making like fake Stone Island and yeah. things and then pick them back up and. Yeah. And, and, and people they've got no rights they don't get paid. It's basically right, here's your house, you live there, you're working 12 hours tomorrow and that's what you're doing. Basically. Yeah. Exactly the scenario for slavery you know what I mean yeah they basically house people and feed them just about enough to keep them healthy enough to do the work that you're making money from on their you're know, making money from their labor that's that's what slavery is now people that are often that people that appear in the uk via these sort of unofficial routes they're being trafficked and exploited and are subject to the modern slavery provisions um and yet and, and once that is claimed, they're then a victim of crime, and obviously that means it's more difficult to, to remove those people um, because you have to view them as human beings. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so what this act seeks to do is to remove their right to actually claim that. So we're saying, you victim of crime, you're no longer allowed to rely on our crime. So effectively, immediately what you've got there is like a sort of two-star sort of system where some people, citizens, are protected by the criminal law and other people, non-citizens, oh, no. aren't. You know what I mean? So this Which is just dangerous. Not... You know. Yes, very. So this, um, so for instance, like if you were, I don't know, Prince Andrew. Anyway, couldn't be asked. So if you land on the beach and on a dinghy and you scarper, because yeah. it's the 50s, uh, and you end up, somebody's there with it, almost a big full transit, get in the back of here, I'll take you somewhere. So weeks and weeks later, they've been working in this factory in Rochdale. They're living in a house with 10 other people and they're basically being used as slaves. Yeah. They can now no longer rely on modern 
um, slavery laws because they arrived illegally 10 weeks ago, a year ago, yes. whatever. Yeah. Wow. Entirely. So that's a fantastic catch-all yeah. in the fact it's really wide. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it also, what, what it does is it, it basically makes people more likely to be exploited, all this sort of thing. It creates, it's, you know, if, if you... Well, you're not going to prosecute then the people that are running the houses and running these factories. And well, you're basically these... saying that these victims of crime, you can't report these people that are exploiting you. And if to... you do report them, we'll just send them to Rwanda or wherever. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, so, again, similar to, like, you know, there's lots of offences where the issue is that they don't get, it doesn't get reported to the police because of whatever reason. Now, this is one where, actually, the, what the government is saying is that you can't be considered a victim of this crime. You're just basically grasping yourself up and you'll be removed from the country. Wow. You've got no protections there. So that is actually so, great news for traffickers. Yeah, yeah. People who've got... It's like, it's like a charter for the very gangs that they claim to be arguing, you know, that they're doing this against. Now... I just had a fantastic business we, idea. You, you just unpicked that off the top of your head, sat at my dining table. <laughs> yeah, it feels like. <laughs> and also, I'm thinking, because I've got a lot of original Adidas stuff, that we could easily get some people to mock up oh, with certain yeah, skills. Yeah. I mean, you're the wearing podcast, most of it. The right? podcast, that's my girl. The podcast is paying zero. Yeah. We could definitely. go into business. Yeah. I used to show often. Sort of like Cheatham Hill style. Yeah, yeah, we'll set up one. Yeah, yeah. We'll, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get... We'll use your... You've got more space in your house. What, what should we yeah. do? Stock, because Stockport has a sort of cachet attached to it, doesn't it? does it, at the minute, because it's and very... If say, made in Stockport, people are going, oh, yeah. Ooh, oh, that's they, trendy at the They've got all the progressive churches in Stockport. <laughs> yes. They'll be all right, won't yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's also something else that I did find a little cynical about Pride. Not the, all the lovely little local independent things. But you know, like when you see Nat West have got a rainbow flag outside and so Barclays and things, and you're like, it's not. Do you really give a shit? No, oh yeah. Have yeah. you just joined in? And yeah. I kind of like a bit of joining so, in sometimes. But then, but then, sort of just joining in. So you know, like, is it not a bit like fake it till you make it? You know, like Maybe. people just join in, then that becomes second nature, and you see, you know, there's, there's that. You know when people talk about virtue signaling, because that will that's what that would be, wouldn't it? Sort of saying one thing, but actually then not living by the living yeah. by the hook there. You know, Jordan Henderson going to Saudi Arabia is yes. a good example of that. Yes. It remains to be seen. Maybe he'll speak out there and end up becoming like a martyr for the LGBTQ plus community. I don't know, but um, I don't give you over a million quid a week. <laughs> <laughs> no. But and it's it's the you know it's it's like you know. Wearing rainbow armbands or putting a rainbow flag outside there, but then actually not doing anything beyond that. That potentially is, is virtue signaling. That, but I also think that that argument, this is just virtue signaling, is it's just it's like a really it's always bastards who use that argument because they just don't Do want think, anyone to consider. Um, to me, it just feels really cynical that some it is cynical, little but office. What, but what if? Yeah, no, I know. In that West. Yeah, or, yeah. And I'm only saying I'm, that I'm West not on the side of the banks or, 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 the, or, the, or, the, or the big businesses that, that I don't think they care about that. I don't think they care about most But what stuff. if, what if, if just sending a message though, like Doug Stanhope has a really good bit on this. He says you should come out as gay every day, even if you're not. He'll say, like, so if you're sitting on a plane and the, the stewardess comes in and says, do you want a drink? So he says, no, no, nothing for me, thanks, I'm gay. And it's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter, but maybe there's some kid sitting there who's having all these doubts and he hears you going, oh, that guy just openly said he was gay, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's sort of, so maybe that sort of, you know, now, if we showing had, of virtue is not a bad thing. If we had this show on GB News, their logic is that you go, no, thanks, I don't want um, a drink, I'm gay. Yeah. And they would say, there's a straight lad sat there. Frightened, is, frightened to you. come out as straight. No, yeah, not even frightened to come out as straight. He is you saying you're gay and now thinks, I also shall be gay. <laughs> or trans. That's the logic it would appear. That seems to be... All right, so, like, if, if, so if you sort of said, I don't want a drink, no, not a drink for me, thanks. I am the Lord Mayor of... London, yes. someone listening would go, oh, Your maybe I will also be this cat. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I will also be the one. Yeah, that's the logic, I think. Unless I'm misinterpreting it. I think there's a lot of old people are frightened of stuff. Anyway, you should, if you are a bit right-wing and a bit frightened, go to Stockport Pride because there is a lot of free cake. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, only, I genuinely think... Do you think, think 3K can turn, change people's views? Well, it's hard to hate someone who's giving you free cake. It is, I yeah, think yeah. it's a brilliant tactic. Yeah, definitely. That's like, just that just wins, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. My, my daughter went on a visit to the local mosque and they gave them free, kick, free cake there. You know, it's like exactly. universally, it's cross-cultural is the point I'm making there. I'm not saying they're trying to indoctrinate you with cake, but it's just a thing that crosses all divides, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> we could pop to the mosque after this. We'll get better brew than this one as well. It's rancid. Yeah. Right, so back to the slave um, trade. Yes. So, so, yeah, back to the slave trade. That's That could be... The Conservative Party's podcast. next um, slogan at the next election. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bring back slavery, right? So, so yeah. So, so you, the point I'm making is, is it, is it, re- it removes fundamental rights from people? Is what it does. Yes. Based on, if you think about it, based on how they enter the country, which is like a ludicrous system to have, really. If, if you think about it, either rights are universal or they aren't. You know, and if they cease to be universal, then they're not rights. The privileges, yeah. you know, you know, the, the, you know, it, 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 can, it can't be a right if it's not afforded to everyone. You know, it, it, that's just by just the definition of it. And once you remove rights from one group of people, who's the next group of people that might have their rights removed? You know, it, it, that, that tends to be how it works. History dictates that to us. So this is where even if you don't give a shit about, you know, migrants or people that are to give them the road, people that are born somewhere else and they're leaving there uh, and you think that, you know, one of the arguments they often hear is that these aren't even refugees, they're, um, you know, economic migrants. Well, yeah, they, souls, yeah. What, what, so let them drown? What does that, what does that mean? You know, like, yeah. go on. They, yeah, they always say it's not kids. Kids coming over in boats, you know, they're not kids, they're 25 years old. How old men. are you? 21, right. <laughs> Under the water you go. It's like, you know, no, nobody thinks like that in everyday life, you know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't, no. you wouldn't sort of like, Age verify someone before you try to pull them out of a canal. I don't know about nobody thinking about that in real life. I think it gets a lot of traction and a lot of support. I think, well, 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 yeah, well, well, yeah. I reckon if we were in any pub in Bolton tonight and offhand started a conversation about these people coming over in boats, I think you would have three out of four, four out of five would go drown. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly, well, they might say that. Well, how many of them would actually sort of think that that's what should happen? But maybe they do. But with the with the law, this just legitimizes that view, doesn't it? It it does, yeah. Because it's kind of like, well, we are right. This is because otherwise, well, yeah. Now, now, what what this does though, what this law does is it puts the UK sort of at odds with basically international law obligations, you know. And there've been various, so it's not just sort of you know lefty organisations who. You know, who were bound to um, uh, oppose this amnesty this international as an example, amnesty or whatever. You know, Not the Labour Party, I'm guessing. No, exactly. <laughs> they yeah. on this. You know, you've you've got you know like you've got the UN opposed to right, it. Okay. You know, and and you've you've got the Law Society opposed to it, um, and and various organisations in between those. You know, who are saying that this is a bad piece of legislation. Um, because not only is it bad for the individuals, but it's also bad for the country. It's bad for the country's international standing. You know, if you're going to be breaching international law, what does that actually say um, about you as a country? Now, there's no, you know, like, so, so let, let, let's say that they proceed, you know, and, and most of these provisions are enacted, because the, what happened was is the House of Lords tried to um, introduce various amendments and changes to, to the bill that were, ultimately, you know, to do things like, you know, protect children and stuff like that and they were removed by the government because we've got such a big majority and the commons has to outweigh the laws because the commons is who people voted for therefore in a democracy that's correct but it does show how if someone has a massive majority in a first past the post system you've not really got a democracy at that point you've got like a sort of tyranny of the majority you know so what, what's happened there is that it's so they removed all these amendments and it's gone back to being just what it was in essence which is that no, regardless of your age, circumstances, or whatever, if you've entered the country illegally, you are, sh- you know, you're, you're shipped off somewhere, or you put on one of these barges that they've got there. That oh yeah, I've seen sort that. Sort of floating prisons they look like, mm. um, that are death traps according to the fire brigade, um, and you will await your sort of case being dealt with, you know, in, in due course. Now, all that sounds bad enough as it is in principle. You know, you you've basically got. Um, you know, you 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 you've got um, 
you know, the, the country basically saying that we are going to ignore our obligations under international law. Now, there's no if, if you if you sort of ignore your international law obligations, there's, there's nothing that can happen really. Like the country can't get sent to prison. It can't be fined by anyone or anything like that. <laughs> and if you breach European like human rights convention legislation, or you breach your obligations under the sort of various UN refugee conventions and so on. All that can happen is that the international community will frown upon you, basically. But that is not good in and of itself. If you get a reputation for effectively riding roughshod under your international law obligations, then especially if you think about what the UK, you know, how Brexit was sold to the country was that this will give us the freedom for global Britain to yeah. strike deals with partners all around the world. We're not just constrained to whatever the EU um, says is an appropriate deal. We can strike our own trade deals and, and that will be better for the country. Now, if, if, you, if you have a track record of just ignoring international obligations, then why, why would anyone want to enter into a trade deal with you? Bearing in mind, that, well, these are never stick to their deals that are obligations. So it has, it has a knock-on effect. It will make... Things like this will make individuals in this country poorer as a, as a, as a result. You know, so it, it does have an effect on everyone, and people, but people don't see those things together. And this is the sort of, it's clearly, I think, a piece of cynically driven legislation. Stop the bolts has become build the wall, which it was for sure. Yes. It's, it's a thing that it's, it's not really a problem. You know what I mean? It's, don't get me wrong, I know, it, I know it's happening. I know that people do go into the country on small boats. And, and claim asylum and sometimes so they won't, every day. and sometimes they record won't. numbers today 1200 so, people I, I, yeah, yeah. And stopped it, yeah and it's like well so I, I just think so what but I have the I don't to be fair I don't live on the sort of southeast coast so mm. maybe it is an issue for those local communities you know what I mean um, in the way that it must be bad for the people living on the Greek islands that people are constantly yeah. washing up there really you know. ruining your own day <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it's in that it must be difficult because even even those people that are, you know, have a lot of compassion, you must get to a point where where it it, it does grind you down, and you know it's human yep. nature to be worn down things by things and have compassion fatigue and all that sort of stuff. So I sort of get that. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not completely ignorant to that way of thinking, um, but it's not as big. There are much bigger problems facing the country. Most of them caused by the economic and social social political system that we've got. To be honest with you. So, and, and this law, I think, is just to distract people from the actual bigger issues that are going on. Um, and, and, and it's because it, it's, it's, it's very much throwing the baby out with the bathwater or using a sledgehammer to crack, in all, crack a walnut, all of those sorts of, you know, things that, you know, cliches or, or sayings that exist for a reason. Um, and, but I want to concentrate really now. So, so that's in general what it does. It, it basically removes rights from people. Um, and what he removes, though, what you don't have is any, any sort of access to justice. I mean, this, is, this is the wider point, this is where it applies to all of us. I think it was Tony Benn who said um, that, I'm just going to paraphrase him now, um, but he said that you, know, you should look at how a country treats refugees because it's very instructive because it tells us what they would do to the rest of us if they thought they could get away with it. Yes, I see that mean? quote all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's I was very... trying to do a Mr. Ben joke and I couldn't think of it. <laughs> About the shopkeeper is, appearing, and... appearing as if by magic. Yes, <laughs> with another pith, with another pithy phrase, which is only a joke to our over forty-five <laughs> listeners. So ninety-five percent of the listeners. I, I I barely remember Mr. Ben. To be honest, do you know? No, oh, no. it was. I, I know about it secondhand through Viz. It was the best. Yeah, there was there was a there was a story in Viz about how the shopkeeper from Mr. Ben. Was being um, basically it was found to not have planning permission for the magical world of buying a shop. <laughs> he was he was due to appear as if by magic before the planning committee. That's amazing. Oh, this is so great. That is so. That's brilliant, isn't it? Um, right. So what's... So, a, so a couple of things. Um, Tony Ben, we were on. So yeah, so so that that's the that's the wider point, and the access to justice issue is the big issue because basically what 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 people don't have are, are you know is how are people. If, so if you're one of these people, let's put yourself in the position. So you come into the country, you are fleeing war or whatever, and the argument about passing through a safe country isn't the law anymore. This act will aim to change that. So if you leave what's deemed to be a safe country, then you can be 
you, you don't have right to, to come mm. into this country, which very much um, aids our sort of geographical position where we are, you know what I mean, in that you're not yeah. likely to get in a boat directly from Africa to here and go straight up, you know what I mean, and yeah. you're more likely to make your way through di- different countries. Yeah, um, Italy, Spain, France, all Spain. much more accessible yeah. than that boat. Of, yeah, exactly. Um, and and the law has always been that there's no there's no such thing as a this first same country sort of principle doesn't exist. It used to be that under the Dublin regulations when we we're in the EU is that if you were effectively picked up and registered and, and had your details taken in a country and then you popped up in the UK, you could then be sent back to Italy to have them deal with your asylum claim as a fellow member state. But obviously we left the EU, so we don't have that. Anymore. No. So, <laughs> so well done again, everyone. Um, and, but the, what this act seems to do is to, is to effectively sort of like you know to, is to make that law in in, in some way. Um, so, but let's just say you're one of these people. You've you've arrived in the UK. You claim asylum. You want to claim asylum. You're told that you don't have any rights to to do that anymore because you've entered not using one of our sort of lawful routes, of which there aren't very many, or none. They depending, don't work. Depending on which yeah. country you're coming from. There's a massive backlog of cases already. Um, you then put onto one of these death trap barges. Yeah. Sort of in the Solent or wherever it is that you're going to be housed. Um, you don't speak the language necessarily. Um, you don't have any contacts here who you can ask this. How do you access a lawyer to put in a claim or, or, to, or to challenge... Or, or to make your where, where's your access to justice there? Because we talk about access to justice, and you know it's it and it's almost like an abstract concept, but it actually so it's, it's a practical thing. It's like how do you access justice? How do you get the courts to be able to? You know the, the the way it works is that you are an individual against in the state is doing something to you that you think is wrong, and then the court, so they say the system should work. The court then has to listen to both sides of the argument and apply the law to the situation as it exists. Now, obviously, the states are in a are in a sort of you know they're going to be represented. How do you get represented? There? How do you go and speak to a lawyer? How yeah. do lawyers come and see you if you're stuck on this barge with millions of not millions but you know hundreds, possibly thousands of other people? How how does any of that sort of work? And it doesn't work. And again, if you look at access to justice for not just for migrants or, or for refugees, but for everyone, if you think about cuts to the legal aid, who does that affect? Like it affects. You know, it affects the, the poor to give them, a, for want of a better expression. It's literally meant if you can't afford your own legal fees, then the state will help you out because actually that's the right thing to do so that we can meet our obligations under the rule of law and all of those sorts of things. Now, access for justice is the, is, the, is the big issue affecting the law in this country at the minute, I personally think. And it's not what I just think. That, when was in Lord Stevens speaking, he said that's what he would, he would spend all of his time banging on about if he, if he was teaching people because that is the big issue in this country and it's because of a lack of funding over or for over a decade and for longer than that so that so what what we're doing here is effectively creating another massive problem for a few years down the line in that you won't have there's not third countries to remove people from there was originally an obligation for the secretary of state for the home secretary to remove people to, to third countries when they came in now, they've removed that because actually there aren't third countries to remove them to, so they were setting the Secretary of State up to fail to buy, buy their own law. So there's almost an admission that it doesn't, that it doesn't work, yeah. that it's not going to work. And what you will have are people trapped in limbo because while they're waiting for their asylum claims to be considered, as, as they have to be considered, because even under this law, the asylum claims will be considered just somewhere else. And that place originally was Rwanda. That's been deemed to be unlawful now. Um and so you, you're going to create an ever-growing number of people who are just trapped in limbo, unable to work, unable to do anything, costing lots and lots and lots of money to keep in this position. And for what purpose? With no access to justice, no access to um, basic rights. You know, how, how is that going to play out? What's that, what's that going to look like for, you know, for us? And the, you know, there's lots of things yeah, with that more situation. Of, what, is the, what is the purpose of this law? As in, what's the? Is it just to appease voters? Is it to make it look like they're doing something? Is it money? Is it just to save money? Well, it can't be to <clears> save money because I don't see it's going to save money because I think it's going to cost money. You know, I, th- I think they will justify it on the basis. What the, what the government say is it's meant to deter people from 
coming across yeah. on these bolts and therefore undermine these uh, gangs. Now, if you wanted to det- d- deterrent, there's an argument here about whether deterrence works for anything, and, and quite often it, it doesn't. If you look at gen- like general sentencing in, in the criminal law, tougher sentence, you know, it's the, for me, it's the same sort of argument of like tougher sentences for criminals that will help stop crime. And, it, and all the evidence is that it doesn't. Mm. You know what I mean? Tougher sentences don't, it can often create more crime because people in prison for longer, in prison being harsher, makes them unable to then live in society when they're ultimately released. People, when they commit a criminal offences, don't think, what's the sentence going to be if I get caught doing this? No. What they might, what they might think is, am I going to get caught doing this? If there is a deterrence, it's, am I going to get caught? And if you're not likely to get caught, then you don't then you don't do it. Now, all of that involves you know, but that, that's for criminal law, that involves you sort of knowing how the system works. People leave, leaving somewhere, and, and you know, let, let's, a lot of this is based on this idea that people are cynically trying to come into the country as well, and then they're not coming here because actually this represents, this is a, a dire situation that they're in. And it may well be that there's no deterrent, what's the, what, are the op, what are the options? Stay here or go there and take my chances. And people will opt to go there and take the chances if staying here is, is bad enough. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we know what it's like here and this isn't doable anymore. What's it going to be like there? I don't know. It's got to be better than this though. You yeah, know what I mean? And there's not bombs dropping on the street. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be brilliant, but it's got to be better than this. And that's literally what it is. You know, so the, the idea that it's going to deter people from making these crossings is nonsense. And they must know it's nonsense. Yeah, they but, must. They well, there's huge departments, there's huge government departments civil service departments would be telling them yeah. and they're trying to make the wall this won't work no. this report that must have been done for decades they must have do this report every five years yeah go how do we deal with this problem because it's been a problem for 30 years 40 years yeah, yeah. and it must the same thing must come up the, the, the thing that dropped generally sort of like stops net, gets net migration down is more open borders believe it or not people can come and go freely they don't always want to come and stay where you are they're like there's not many people like going, oh, yes, I want to live in Barnsley forever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Not, people don't Two weeks think in, like that. Yeah, like, yeah, I can't yeah, miss those bombs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least there was a skill to bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so they, you know, they, it, it, this played out in the sort of southern, you know, the, with the US-Mexican border. In the, it used to be really porous, and people would, seasonal workers would come up from Mexico, make more money than they could in Mexico, the American farmers would be able to sort of hire them at a cheaper rate than they could get, you know, other people. That meant that the food was better, it was cheaper for those sort of local, you know, customers. Mm-hmm. And then when the season was over, the Mexicans we'll the go would go back home. Because that's where they want to be. They want yeah, to be at exactly. home. They don't want to they be did. in America. I mean, and, the, and, and, and that, that, that was happy. They were happily doing that. And then basically someone came in, showed up the border... Because not in any malicious way, just in a sort of, right, everyone do the jobs properly and, and, and stop, you know, stop this, people just wandering backwards and forwards across the bridges. <laughs> um, and what happened was, is that net migration actually went up because people were coming into America. But at this point, you then had to do the thing of running across the desert, clambering over walls and whatever. It was dangerous, could get shot potentially, mm-hmm. you know, almost like the Berlin Wall sort of thing. Yeah. And they came in there. And once they're there, they stay there because actually... There's a, there's a risk in going back because I, want my, I might not be able to get back again. And if I've not got a green card, I'm going to try and cross the border legally. I'll get picked up and thrown in prison. So I'll just stay here. Thank you. And net mark, so they didn't go back. It just stayed, it, you mm. know. So, you know, the, that's the thing. And so all of these things are known. You know, no, no, this is new. That's, they've known that since the 70s. So I think it is. A lot of it is for show, I think. You know, it's where we are in the electoral cycle. They've got nothing to do. If you've got, you know, like if, if, you, if you are, if you've been in government, say, you, let's say you had a job, right? Imagine that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. And for, and for, you've had that job for 13 years and you then, for whatever, you know, there's like a re, you know, there's like, well, we're going to re, uh, restructure the, the, um, the company. So you've got to apply for your own, for your old job back. And in applying for your old job, you didn't mention anything about what you've done in the 13 years yeah. previously, but had to sort of start going, oh, what I will do is I'll do this going forward. I'll tidy my desk and, you know, make sure I turn in on time. It's rubbish. And that's where we are now. They've got nothing to, we can't just, they've not made a success There's no of record anything. Of like, There's no yeah. record of success or achievement for the government. So they're doing mad stuff. So they're creating, I genuinely think they are creating problems to solve. 
So they're going, this is a problem. Keep it in the news. Problem, problem, yeah, problem. Yeah, in the news. Obviously. Fighting age men, they talk about that, which is a ridiculous turn of phrase. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, what I've seen where I'm from, in fact, I've seen like genuinely elderly men fighting. You know, like, <laughs> it's like there's, there's fighting age men or there's dead men. There's two age of men. Is there, um, is there also not? I'm pretty sure I saw this on the news. I don't know if it's for this bit of legislation or another one. But there's such a shortage of fruit and vegetable pickers being one example and other various industries that used to be staffed by people coming from, let's say, Eastern yeah, Europe. seasonal workers, yeah. And they can't. So, they now, so they're now exempt. They, they wouldn't be... This law would not apply to them, this new act. I've shown us that on the news. There wasn't any sound on. But I no, no, it it's like little... they, they are setting up schemes to allow people like, to make in it easier. Various, and the, the three or four yeah, professions, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Um, pubs and hotels is one. Yeah, yeah. Hospitality. Hospitality, yeah. Um, yeah, fruit picking and um, vegetable picking. Don't get me wrong, I, was, I found that argument about, you know, having a little sort of like gang of sort of umpumpers coming in doing all the work for you has been a little bit exploitative. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 although it is a reality of how this sort of system, not just, not just our economic system, our economic systems have always worked. Migrant labour has always come in and done the sort of work that other people that live there don't want to do. Mm. You know what I mean? Which is not, it's not nice, but it, it, it is a sort of, you know, it is a reality that seems to have always existed. Yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah, but this, is, but this act is expressly aimed at refugees is a thing. You know what I mean? That's, that's the issue. Yeah. You know, illegal migrants. Now, what they couldn't call refugees before were illegal. This is a way of basically being able to claim that people seeking asylum are illegal migrants, which is not the case prior to this piece of legislation. Because the, if you are seeking asylum, you are an asylum seeker de facto, and you know, or as a matter of fact, and you're not uh, an illegal migrant, no matter how you enter the country. And the international law is very clear on that point. So that's what this this does. Is it changes that. Um, and as I said, those people don't have access to justice. And it's like if you, if you try and get legal aid, you, you see people like, you know, like the court systems are clogged up with, you know, there's often people representing themselves because, you know, it's, it's a threshold test as to whether or not, it's a means test as to whether or not you apply for, whether you qualify for legal aid. And there'll be some people that are at the bottom of the sort of rung of, you know, on the bottom rung of the lot of people who don't qualify for it. And they're almost in the worst position because they've got to pay for their legal representation and can only just afford it. You know what I mean? Mm, so they yes. then have a choice of like, do I pay for this or do I represent myself? And sometimes people have a stab at representing themselves. You see more litigants in person. Certainly when I was going into court, there was a growing trend of more litigants in person. And it just slows everything down and makes it worse. And yet, so like, you know, they, they don't get legal aid. But Boris Johnson, he got to use tens of thousands of pounds of public money to to pay for his defence against a few minor fines that there would have been for, you know, for his, you know, for his having parties oh, during lockdown. Yes. Now, you know, and what was that to do just to, other than just to protect his reputation, which is, it's know, his shots anyway. already, you know, effectively his reputation is like a sort of deflated balloon on the edge of a bin, you know, <laughs> full of half-eaten cake. You know? The thing is though, he would be, he is very popular. He would be even more popular if he just was like, oh, yeah, did it, yay. Well, not this particular thing, because that's one thing that British people don't like, is it, the thought of somebody getting something they were denied. Yeah. But if he was just, look, I've got loads of kids, I have it off with anyone that'll let me, I'm a bit of a lad. That's oh, great, yeah. But, I know where to put the cuffs officer, you yeah, know, that's the thing. Yeah, would have been like, this guy, yeah, he gets the, me. Playing on to the custody side. <laughs> yeah. Morning, Jeff. You know, that's all. <laughs> Well, like, yeah, it would. I don't know. He's the only thing he's. Um, that's the Philip Schofield opposite, isn't it? Because he's he was so squeaky clean and yeah, yeah. well liked that yeah. any kind of stain was like, oh my god, you've lied to us since yeah. the brief covered. You've, you've held yourself out as a as a sort of custodian of you know a paragon of virtue. You, you have, yeah. And uh, and it sounds like you're not that. Yeah, yeah. That poor gopher. Yeah. <laughs> All those years. The things but that he's seen. Through childhood, through lots of people's childhood. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Whereas, you know, Boris, Lenny from Motorhead, nobody's asked <laughs> no, when, no. He, when he used to get up to stuff. 
yeah. And yeah. everyone's like, yeah, Lemmy. Classic Lemmy. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly what you want Lemmy yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah, you don't want him getting clean. And, <laughs> no. Um, so. If I was Boris Johnson's advisor, I would be like, come on, Boris, we need another but, scandal. Let's make it a big one. And this time, just go two Vs to everyone. Fuck Yeah, you. yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what like you, You're good. not going to be in high office again. Yeah. So just... Week before the election, scandal, yeah. threesome. Yeah, and exactly. I reckon it get back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's it. But like, but people like him, he's he's allowed to sort of... Uh, the system works for him, doesn't it? You yeah. Know? Oh, it yeah. doesn't work for anyone who's poor, and that's what this is all part of, you know what I mean? Keeping people in the place as well, I think. You know, yeah. It's a, it's a risk. So... I mean, I'm not specifically answered the question really that it was asked. But what I would say is that I've no idea what the guidance is going to say. Um, I imagine it will be fairly um, mundane as most of them are and tell you what would or should happen in an ideal world. Um, and then, because, you know, a lot of this will depend on whether or not it can actually work practically as well. And what we've been seeing to do is like, all right, so, you know, the, as I mentioned before, the fact that they've removed the obligation of the Home Secretary, of the duty on the part of the Home Secretary to ensure that people are removed almost immediately because actually the system isn't there to do that. You know, they, they signed a deal with Rwanda, which could only hold about 200 odd people anyway, I think. So, really? you, you know, it, was, it wasn't very much, no. Like, so in order to be safe, so you, you, you've got to ensure that third, you know, these third countries that you're moving them to are safe and they meet the sort of the, the criteria you know that it's effectively the same as leaving them in this country that's, that's effectively what you've got to do yeah you know so if there's a, if there's a risk of refoulement you know if, if those people being returned to their home countries which apparently there is a bit of a risk in Rwanda I think that's you know there is there is form for Rwanda doing that um then then that, that's that's an issue you know that, that needs to be sorted out now if you think about that Rwanda scheme there was there been been two hearings in that so far. There was the original hearing that the government quote unquote won, where it was found that the scheme per se wasn't unlawful, but it did say, and this is the biggest point really, and I think I made this point at the time, that each individual case had to be considered on its own merits. So you can't just blanketly just ship people off there. You have to look at their individual case. So in essence, you've got to look at their circumstances like you would have to anyway <laughs> yeah. if you're going to listen to their asylum claim. So actually, it's not going to speed anything up. No. So that that even that's one, and it's now been found to be unlawful as a blanket scheme. That's going to be appealed up to the Supreme Court. The government may well win on that point anyway, but you still go back to the issue that individual cases have to be considered, otherwise people's rights aren't being um, aren't being respected. So then you get to where do you get around that? Remove remove everyone's rights. Is that what people want? Probably not. I wouldn't have thought. So not really. If they know about, if they understand what they're doing, you understand what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, no, I think people. I think people sort of think that human rights only apply to criminals and foreigners. They don't think that they benefit yes. from them. You know what I mean? Which is but an amazing and privileged position. The race in. is involved in this. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so there's that. There's that point, and that's just one of the ongoing challenges to the legislation. So, I, I, I just don't see that it's going to do anything. This other than create a massive backlog in existing cases, and where are people going to be housed, and where are people going to go. Um, and it's going to take effectively another government to come in and just undo all of this mess and actually properly pay the money that it takes to sort out the, situ- the situation. There's, you know, it's, it's just symbolic of the entirety of how the country's being run that it's just, um, yeah, that, that nothing works properly because nothing's been funded properly for a long time. And this is effectively trying to, you know, trying to. You know, create a smoke and you know a smoke screen. I think for lots of real systemic issues that they're there. So, so yeah, I think the guidance will probably tell us how things should work. It won't work like that because that's, that never happens. Um, and I suspect there will be more and more challenges under human rights legislation if they try and once this no this is in, once this is enforced fully, um, and that will lead to just the government being tied up in legislation in litigation forever. Um, and that's what I think will happen, and it'll just make it um, effectively. I, I, I just don't see how it's ever going to actually have any proper impact, other than making the lives of lots of people in this limbo situation miserable. People that you know that will be in the country for years, not able to work when there's jobs that need to be done. You know, like from yeah. a, from a, from a real that's ignoring the human element of it. Just from an economic perspective, it doesn't make any sense. If this was a video podcast, about five minutes ago, I'd have secretly walked to camera 
and just walked off you love it so <laughs> Toby Greer thanks for that one oh my god I love it when you get on your little horse um, <laughs> so uh, if you want to send us a question barely legal comedy podcast at gmail.com that's a bit of a mouthful isn't it barely legal comedy podcast at gmail.com um, and also if you can find the tip jar yeah put like I'm going on holiday this weekend so next week so I would quite like yeah, yeah. a nice bit of spending money uh, so oh, I can buy a little straw donkey to bring home with me. what could be great is let's say money did get sent to it I'm the only one who knows how to set up all the stuff yeah I'm the only one that would ever know so <laughs> if you find out like because I was bragging in the pub Got a new jack there, Boardman. Yeah, buddy. Podcast really well, isn't it? King was clueless. He still every episode bangs on about like <laughs> quality. Yeah, but I come round. You come round here, and you're wearing like a crown and a fur coat. Or yeah, made by my factory minions. <laughs> Straight. They make it on a barge in the summer. And what could be really good is if I could do that. We could have a, a, a case against each other, you trying to sue me for the money. Yeah, yeah. Or, or actually seeing we could, in a quite an ironic twist, you could basically accuse me of fraud and then I'd get you to defend me in court. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have a conflict of interest there. <laughs> hey, what an episode, though. It would be good. <laughs> that was a long one.